Welcome to the Something Something Experience Podcast, Episode 75. I'm Michael John Simpson. This episode features veteran Los Angeles New Art Theater, Sins of the Flesh Rocky Horror Shadow Cast member, and burlesque performer Deb Cavis. Also joining us was Deb's partner, artist Jesse Ladina. We talked about the Rocky Horror Picture Show, kink, burlesque, fandom, normalization, and Twin Peaks. Do the things! Here's Episode 75 of the Something Something Experience. Okay, testing, testing, one, two, three. All right, looks like we are recording and we're good. Cool. Hey. <laughs> uh, thanks for coming on. This is the first one I've recorded in a very, very long time. I've just, um, I haven't been up for it. It was like a weird mental thing I had or something where I just wasn't, the, the impetus wasn't there anymore for a while. It can be tough with the creative endeavors. Yeah, yeah. The end of last year was rough, and you know, I I wound up posting one that was recorded like last July, uh, Nick Casey, and um, it felt good to just do that. And and Andrew is actually the one who inspired me to start doing my thing again. And he's like, you know, because I was, I'm sure, whining on Facebook like I do about just feeling just general blah, malaise about everything and and he's like yeah unplug and go create something you know do something creative and slightly erotic and i'm (laughs) like yes okay i'll do that it's our specialty (laughs) (laughs) yeah definitely um we met at ground control Mm -hmm. years ago um there was a night at the catch probably 2006 Seven ish, eight ish, nine. I remember because I found my old Facebook post about it. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, <laughs> that night, and it was um, you and a whole bunch of the other sins of the flesh folks had yeah. all just come to ground control on the same night. You and and Nina and Elizabeth Liz- and um, Gina mm-hmm. and yeah, that was the night we met. It was pajama night. I remember I was the only one of our group that like had read ahead because I always do that. And so I brought my pajama pants. I, we had come from a rehearsal at, I think, uh, Liz Moops or something. That maybe Clue or Lord Only Knows. Yeah, what, yeah I think you guys then, were doing Clue know? back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was cool. That was that fun. Was... I made a lot of friends that night. Like you'd frequently do at Ground Control. You can't not. It's like Cheers. <laughs> yeah. Yes, definitely. Well, it, it was. It was. <sighs> I, but Andrew will do something else. He'll find some other way to get people together, get, get good people together, and do a thing. It's all about the thing doing. Yeah. You know? However. Yeah. Just do the things. Yes. Yeah. The the everything that I'm, I'm I'm well I'm not done being angry, but I'm done talking about being angry or done bleh, vomiting about being angry. Yeah. And him settling back into, I got to get through the day. In order to do that, I got to take care of me, and I will do what I can to help take care of everybody in other ways. But I can't do that twenty four seven. Otherwise, I'll run out in traffic. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's you know you got to focus on yourself first. But there's of course that that what's oh, the word like nurturing type of feeling that you want to help other people but right. it's like uh, what is it you can't you know secure your oxygen mask before you help others like they say on airplanes yeah 
there's a phrase that we've been using a lot lately that you get from all the the poly books that says mm. love is infinite but time and energy are finite you can only do so much there's only a, a finite amount of time and energy in the day to do what you can and so you have to compartmentalize and you have to expend your energy wisely because it's not you just don't you run out of energy and you run out of time so helping others is fantastic and i think that's a thing that all i think if more people spent a little bit of time helping others i think we'd all be in a lot better shape instead of leaving it doing all of the helping of others up to a smaller group of people right if we're all shouldering the burden we're going to get burned out exactly exactly so what do you, what I, uh, please talk about the things that you do. I know for a long time you were in Sins of the Flesh, mm-hmm. and I, you still dabble over there sometimes, show up and yeah. play a Frankie or a, or a, I mean, you played pretty much everybody at this point, right? Uh, there's a few that I haven't done, but I've, I've played all the fun ones. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're all fun ones. They, they are all fun ones, but uh, I, I consider myself kind of a pinch hitter. Okay. Nowadays I'm kind of just like hanging out and... Yeah, asked me to come play. Somebody's sick and you go and fill in for somebody. Yeah, oh man, the last time I played Frank, which I, it was very short notice, unfortunately. Like, I felt bad because the person who was supposed to play Frank was not feeling well at all. And I just ran in and did it, but like, it was one of the best nights because as I got there, somebody had made mention to me, I was like, I think getting in my makeup still or costume, but there was like a five-year-old kid in the audience dressed like Frank. Mm. It's the best thing, isn't and it? it was the cutest. And I was like, "Oh my god!" And I slapped on all my makeup and got all my costuming and like you know, whatever, and went like running to find this this kid. And she was adorable. And like, I I took a picture with her, like you know, with her folks' permission. I even texted it to her parents, so they'd like have it. You know, I felt mm-hmm, like a mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. a Disney character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And every time I walked by, she would just be like smiling and waving, like so excited. So at the end, during I'm going home, where you know. Frank goes out in the audience and, like, usually picks somebody to, like, sit on their lap or, like, mess with. I sing to her. And it was just, like... You I made mean, that kid... That kid's going to remember that for the rest of their life. It's going to yeah. be that one one of those things. I hope so. Because that was just, like... I, I felt so fulfilled. I said... I was kind of... Not bummed to have to, like, be called in at the last minute. But a little bit, like, nervous, kind of. Because mm-hmm. usually I like to prepare and, you mm-hmm. know, get in the mindset. And, uh... I said, that, that made it all worth it. And I remember I ended up in, like, my rainbow chucks that night because my heels broke. And I was just like, yeah. whatever. Yeah. That kid is having, like, the time of her life. <laughs> and I'm just, you know, if, if I've made one person happy in this audience of, like, 300 people, then hey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my first character at Rocky was the criminologist. Mm-hmm. At my third viewing of Rocky Horror Picture <laughs> Show ever, I was playing the criminologist. And, you know, went to Goodwill and cobbled together the worst costume ever. <laughs> and and bought a wig and spray basically spray-painted it white. And, and just, you know. And you talk about slapping on your makeup. But coming from Denver... Mm-hmm. The difference between the Denver cast and the LA cast, you guys' version of slapping together is like, you know, like, like, oh, sure. so oceans apart from what we were trying our absolute hardest to do our best and still falling way short of, of, you know, hitting the mark. 
but but I, the thing that I've always admired about the Sins cast is how photorealistic, how matchy you guys are to the original material, and how 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 close you guys come to really. I mean, it's it's astounding. It really is a lot of good work and a lot of really good, patient, careful, skillful work that you guys put into your costumes. Oh yeah, and I like the it's astounding. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Time yeah. is fleeting. Yeah, well, we won't get into that. Yeah. But, <laughs> no, I mean, I, I love like this. There are pride in screen accuracy. At the same mm-hmm, time, mm-hmm. it's part of the reason why I love visiting other casts as well. Seeing how other people do it, seeing you know, like uh, Crazy Imaginations down in San Diego. Had a dude with a beard playing Janet, and it was just like the funnest thing to sure, watch. Sure, and like, sure. uh, I love seeing how everybody kind of has their different take on on doing it. I mean, in LA, I feel like it's, um, I guess the the polish and, and this and that. It's kind of part and parcel with being in LA and mm-hmm. being, you know, very uh, entertainment oriented. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And elsewhere, it's like maybe a little bit more laid back, but it's. Different strokes for different folks, and no matter where you go, you're going to have a good time. Sure, you, sure, yeah. If you set out to just be like, hey, this is awesome. Well, it still goes down to that doing the thing. You're doing the thing. Exactly. And whether you're photo, you know, whether you're matching the screen exactly or not, you're still doing the thing, and you're, you're yeah. keeping it alive and, and, and being in the spirit of it. And because yeah. we, you know, I, I made my first corset out of car seat material. I mean, <laughs> literally, it was, you know, f- fabric on one side and, you know, solid vinyl on the other. Right. And it was hot and awful and I used an old roller skate shoestring to, to as the laces <laughs> you know that's all I had right. um, and you know I had no money and I had well, none of us had any money and and we we tried doing the whole thing of like collecting dues to create a costume fund so we could get and that just it just fell apart I wound up eventually becoming the cast manager Frankenfurter and then the cast manager and then um, but I never quite got the I never quite got the eyebrows right. I look back and all the pictures, and I'm just like, man, it just doesn't quite look right. And then I see you and Lizbeth and everybody else on that cast who plays that, that and I'm just like, oh, it's just so. Those oh. eyebrows, though, man, those are tough. Like, yeah. cause I used to do it like really curved up, kind of almost oh, yeah. peaking yeah. by the bridge, not the bridge event, but like you know yeah, where the, the nose starts. Yeah. And I look, and then I'm like, no, that ain't right, <laughs> you know. And you gotta like. It it takes time and practice, and there's even their um, the anal retentive Rocky Horror costume website. It's an old site, but it's still there, mm-hmm. and it's great. It just it's down to every last it has all the buttons detail. on Frank's jacket and all the right. little things and the you know how many feathers are on the on the his, <laughs> yeah. his le- on the cuff of the left you know gauntlet or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, and I love how they do. Uh, they have makeup diagrams, and they're mm. very like. We had Easy. not. We did not have that. All we had oh, was sure. the Rocky Horror Picture Show film book. That's all we had. <laughs> that's what we had. And I still have two copies of that. Um, yeah, that's it's very funny. But it was still one of the most enriching experiences of my life. Not just from a fandom standpoint, but from a social awareness standpoint. Oh, definitely. I mean, I was raised, and I've told this story on the podcast a million times. Sorry, everyone, but I've was raised, you know, as a suburban white, cis, male, straight boy, dumb as rocks and living in Colorado, thought, you know convinced that, that you know that, quote unquote fags were going to try and, you know assault me or that public enemy was going to come and murder me in my sleep, I believe the hype, <laughs> despite their own warning not to um, and Rocky Horror just cracked my brain open, cracked my experience open, and mm-hmm. said, and it was that penny dropped of just like, oh, 
everybody's the same. Everybody has likes and dislikes and loves and hates and, and, and gets aroused and gets, you know, and attractiveness and this and that. And it's all just, it's the same across the broad spectrum of humanity. You know, these people over here aren't green blooded monsters. They're human beings just like me. And they have, and, and, and what people and, and, and then later it broadens into, it's not just about who you're attracted to. It's about how you see yourself and how you want others to see yourself as well. Your, your, how you present, you know, and mm-hmm. now, now we're into, now we have pronouns and now we have, or I've been trying to promote the idea of creating new pronouns for, for, for people who don't identify in the binary and, and right. conversations like that were only relegated to, to, you know, graduate anthropology, graduate students in the nineties, you know, and it, words like intersectionality and stuff like that. We're not yeah. in common parlance back then. And, so in, in little ways like that, I see that the world has progressed. Despite all this <clears throat> constant bombardment of, of, holy shit, everything's going to hell, we've made progress. And those little things for this... One day this person gets a little a, a step forward. Another day this group of people over here gets a step forward. And hopefully we're all marching together and moving forward in the little bits. And it, it gives you hope. Yeah, as they say, every little bit helps. Absolutely true. And yeah, I think Rocky Horror, the whole phenomenon surrounding it, I have to thank for a lot of my own, like, Mm self-discovery. I mean, Mm -hmm. I've always been a quiet kid, and, you know, unsurprisingly, I was picked on a bunch when I was younger. And, uh, man, I mean, we always said that Rocky Horror is kind of the island of misfit toys. Totally. Totally. It's just... The, the kids who didn't fit in, the, the drama oriented, oh, yeah. you know, and, and drama in the sense of the the study of drama, not drama. Um, just right. those kids. Those, yeah, there was that too, of course. Did you guys have a commune that everybody lived in? <laughs> we did. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, the, the 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 drama dramatics oriented kids who didn't fit anywhere else this is where they could go and not only go and fit in but go and be in charge yeah boss people around tell adults to sit down and shut up <laughs> yeah i mean really oh yeah no it's 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 great for building like i don't know you wouldn't think that a bunch of people running around in fishnets you know partying it up would actually like you know behind the scenes be like taking these responsibilities i mean it takes a lot of work to get those fishnets and to get up on stage and to organize everything. And you learn about, like, running it, I mean, like, like business a little bit, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, like mm-hmm. actually having adult responsibilities and not just, you know, work hard and play hard. It's the, no- it's the notion of, of, of self-assigned responsibility. Mm-hmm. Because up to that point, you have teachers and parents and older siblings and society and everybody telling you, do these things right. be like everybody else fall in line comply mm-hmm. comply and fit in and blend in and here's this thing where it's like no i'm choosing what i want to be responsible for mm-hmm. i'm deciding to save money for fishnets i'm deciding to get everybody together at my house to rehearse a, a scene or to do whatever to to bring i'm deciding to help build this community and that's yeah. that's i think yeah right along the lines of what you said of that Taking that that impetus to 
be creative or be different or, or fit in or create this community in this world for yourself and taking that to the next level. Yeah. I mean, and it translates into so much else. It does. I, I always say I grew up at Rocky Horror. I didn't go to parties in high school. I didn't mm-hmm. like do that. I was Same. I was a cast member by the time I was 16. I'd been going since I was 14. And that was <clears throat> 13 years ago. But, <laughs> you know. And it's funny. I said to one of the uh, Trixie hopefuls the other night uh, that I, I had first gone in 2004. And she like looked at me gobsmacked. And she goes, how old are you? <laughs> and I was like, ouch. <laughs> I first went to Rocky Horror in 1985. <laughs> of course, I know people who went in 1975. Right. So, And some of them are still still around, too. Mm. I mean, I just... Uh, and in uh, some cases, sadly. <laughs> in still some around. cases, Sadly, yeah. they're still around. But there is a Dennis, Dennis Miller, Duda Dennis, as he's known, a Rocky Dennis, except Rocky Dennis kind of has a different, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, he was, he was hanging out at the show last night. I still have my diploma I got from him all those years ago with my ticket stub. That's great. April 24th, 2004. Never will forget that That's night. That's great. That's great. I uh, The theater we were in decided to switch to a concert venue. They retooled oh, the inside uh, of the theater. It was a land, one of the Landmark theaters, owned by Landmark. In Colorado, <laughs> and they, uh, yeah, we had the John Waters smoking promo at the mm-hmm. beginning, and uh, and it was uh, <laughs> the they showed always showed the same two trailers, even though the movie was not showing all the time. They showed the same two trailers before Rocky Horror. One was um, one was uh, every Friday night they would play um, Stop Making Sense and uh, <laughs> Laurie Anderson. Um, what's the Laurie Anderson con- concert film? I don't remember. But anyway, they show it back to back on Friday nights at midnight, and Saturday night at midnight was Rocky Horror. And they would show the promos for those two, and then they would also show the promo for Layer of the White Worm. Layer of the White Worm. It was a um, Ken Russell. Okay. Uh, it was a, a, a based on a Bram Stoker story. Peter Capaldi, who is the current Doctor Who. Hello. Emma. 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 No. 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 Sam. What the hell's her name? Sam. Sammy Davis. Not Sammy Davis Jr., but Sammy Davis is an English actress who wound up being on Falcon Crest or something. Um, and Amanda, Amanda Donahoe. And it's this crazy Roman snake cult vampire in Scotland Ken Russell movie. Ken Russell's uh, The Rainbow and Tommy and, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know, uh, and Whore, you know, all these other you know great movies that he did. Um, and it's just... I, I can't recommend it enough. It's it's glorious. Like with a name like that, yeah. it's got to be Layer of the White Worm. It's oh, it, Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant's in. That movie. Oh my god. Hugh Grant is in that movie. <laughs> very very early on, way before anybody. And this was like a movie from like 1986 or 87. But we saw that trailer every every time. Um, and then later when they retooled the theater and closed it down, they did a big. Finale, the final showing of Rocky Horror at the theater, and the newspaper came, and the photographer, and I got my picture in the paper. I wasn't even on the cast anymore. Uh-huh. Got my picture in the paper with the with the cast, with the current cast, and uh, it was a big to do. And there was also they brought in it when they were gonna the whole one of the other things when they moved theaters, they moved to a different uh, landmark theater in Denver. They uh, bought a new print of of Rocky. Uh, the theater bought a new print, mm-hmm. and. Um, or Landmark bought a new print for them, and they had 
pieces. I have a piece of the time warp. Oh, a piece of film from the time warp. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah I love that John Waters trailer, but oh. we don't play it so much anymore. I believe he actually made it for the new art. He did. Because they were playing Pink Flamingos. Like, they were yep. the ones running yep. it all yep. the time. Yep. Yep. Nowadays, it's this... The White Buffalo <laughs> has become, like, the thing that they show. Yeah. And it's got... I don't know, it's a who's who of, like... It, it's got the guy who played Chief in One Floor of the Cuckoo's Nest. Charles Bronson, I think? Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, God, what's her name from... Uh, Kim Novak. Kim Novak, yes. Um, Planet of the Apes. And... I was thinking Vertigo. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, yeah, like, yeah. it's just Slim Pickens. Oh, like, I love... Oh, God, Slim Pickens. It was just... Every time the trailer comes on, everybody just goes... Cause it, they keep repeating the white buffalo, and everybody goes the white buffalo, and like <laughs> I'm just like God, why? But I, it's a thing now, and you, you know you gotta just I guess adapt, change with the times or whatever. But <laughs> I was seven years old. We went to to Washington D.C. with my family to visit my grand my mother's parents, and we were at the National Rifle Association Museum in Washington D.C. And Slim Pickens was there shooting a commercial. Wow. So seven-year-old me shook hands with Slim Pickens, <laughs> never having yet seen Blazing Saddles or uh, Dr. Strangelove or uh, 1941, uh, which wasn't out yet, um, but never having seen any of that yet. But, uh, yeah. Mm. So your Rocky Horror experience obviously led you to other realms as well and oh, I know yeah. a lot of the Sins people are also into burlesque mm, and I would love to, for you to talk about your burlesque oh, sure. activities, experiences, personas <clears throat> etc yeah I mean it's funny I, I feel like everywhere I go there's a different name I could possibly go by <laughs> and I know there are some people that really like to keep their, their muggle lives separate from their stage lives sure, or burlesque sure. lives and I just I'm just a mishmash and an open book, and mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I, I recognize that I have that luxury, and not everybody does. And I'm, I'm very, very grateful for it because I feel like if I had to pull kind of a Superman, Clark Kent thing, I just, I couldn't do it. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm a big mouth. I'm a blabbermouth. I love just talking <laughs> about what I do, and you know, yeah. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't be on the stage, you know, bearing it all if, if I weren't. Right. Right. Um. I, I've, there's two things that I think Rocky Horror was my like my main gateway for, and that's kink and burlesque. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I do love when those two cross over as well. Of course, and, like you do, yeah. I mean, I have, most recently, one of the newest acts that I've developed. Well, I've had it for a couple years now, but it's a Hanukkah routine that I developed for a holiday show that What the Fuck Lesk was doing. And it's... Um, it starts off with this song by a band called the Levies, and it's like a Jewish kind of pop rock little ditty. <laughs> and that's cute and whatever. And then by that time, I've taken off enough clothes to where I rip open my top, and it uh, switches into Social Distortion's cover of Johnny Cash's Ring of Fire, where I then go over to a table full of white pillar candles and proceed to cover myself in hot wax. Nice. Because, mm. hey, why, it's why, Hanukkah. Why not? Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know? hey, it's Hanukkah. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> and people seem to really dig that. I mean, mm. you know, you, I mean, I wouldn't say you wouldn't think, but it's just, it's kind of fun. And I guess not everybody knows, you know, that it doesn't hurt as much as it looks. You know, spoiler alert, but yeah. it's fun. And I, I love that Rocky Horror has led me to this 
new facet of performance that I I'd only ever thought that I'd like to watch and never thought that I could really like dip my toes into and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. gosh it's I sometimes I just have days where I'm at the office or doing whatever you know doing the muggle thing and I go I just want to go be Leia for a little while my my stage name Leia Lavoie for obvious reasons you know the voice and because I'm a huge Star Wars nut but mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. There's just something about putting on all the glitter and the sparkles and the crazy eyelashes and everything that just... You can look at yourself in the mirror and be like, damn, that was good. <laughs> I mean, I... Just to an extent, I have a little bit of the Superman Clark Kent. Because, like, I don't, you know, walk into the office and, you know, heels and a dress and this and that. I, I'm a t-shirt and jeans person all the way on weekdays and on weekends. It's just like, you know, time for the fun. And I love coming up with, like, new and especially nerdy, nerd-lesque style acts. One of my favorites that I've... I, I've been meaning to revamp, but it's... Uh, I do Kaylee from Firefly mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to Psychedelic Furs Pretty in Pink. Nice. And it's, of course, a nod to the Shindig episode where mm-hmm. she wears the big pink layer cake dress. Right, right. And, uh... I actually got to meet Alan Tudyk at Comic-Con, was it, I think, last year, and I had a picture of me as Kaylee, um, but, like, in parts of my costume. So, I slap this picture down on the table, and I look at him, like, you know, will you sign it? And it's me in a pink corset and half a jumpsuit, kind of just the pants mm-hmm. portion, and I'm holding open my brassiere and I've got strawberry pasties on <laughs> and so Alan Tudyk looks down and looks back up at me and he goes so where do you want me to sign it <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I just heard a point and so there's like Alan on one side of the boobs and then Tudyk on the other <laughs> and gosh is that a great souvenir <laughs> I mean <laughs> uh, yeah that's great I like how um, nerd fandom has kind of infused everything now. And obviously Rocky Horror in and of itself is its own nerd fandom and is one of the original nerd fandoms that, you know, you had Trekkers Mm. or Trekkies or whatever you want to, whichever one you go with, and the Rocky Horror people. And you had the Star Wars people who were crazy about Star Wars like me back in the 70s and 80s. and then, you know, conventions, and, and some of us were into Doctor Who really early on, mm-hmm. like 1970s as well. Um, I'm old. and uh, But then now, it's just exploded and branched out into all these things, and everything is infused and mashed up and, and, and mixed together, and I think it's a beautiful, beautiful thing, because we can take... We can take all of these things that are kind of created by official channels... And make them into our own thing, and reinvent them, and recreate them, and re-enjoy them in new ways, and get other people to enjoy them in new ways, and mash and ma- mix and meld, and you know, and, and that kind of thing. It's like it's like nerds meeting at a convention and getting married, kind of thing, you know. And it's just like this new. It, it's like two comets hitting and exploding and creating a bunch of smaller ones, you know. I like that a lot. Oh yeah. It's- when worlds collide. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 Good reference. Um, <laughs> yeah. You see. You see these. Uh, 
everything just kind of folds back in on itself. And even at a convention that's about one thing, you'll see other the other fandoms creeping in, or the other, you know. And and I also love how how fandom really had an infusion of of uh, women fans oh, in, yeah. into everything in the mid 2000s you know the early to mid 2000s that became a bigger part of it was totally it became completely 100% acceptable and no one has ever you know obviously there's still dickheads out there about yeah, fake yeah. fangirls or whatever but but <clears throat> that's more of a joke than anything else now and, and those those men aren't taken seriously anymore as much they're still out there and it's still a problem but and not to diminish the, the, the harassment that people still get sure. online and all that, but it's now just mainstream acceptable to be a nerd and to enjoy what you enjoy and to be out and proud about it, whatever it is. And that's also, I, th- I think, has also coincided with a lot more people being out about their sexuality or about their, their, how they present, you know, their orientation presentation and and representation and into other air into mainstream culture and, and things like that too. So it's nice. It's been a good time to be alive for all of those things and watching all of those come up and just be normalized. And I think the more can, that we can normalize everything of that nature, the better for everyone. Absolutely. I mean, One thing that I've recently been considering about, like, sort of normalization things that are the underground coming to the mainstream was, uh, was, was kink and, like, Mm -hmm. how Mm -hmm. I I was actually at a a shopping today and I saw somebody was selling floggers and I walked up to this lady and she goes, oh yeah, we got a little Fifty Shades of Grey here. And I kind of cringed a bit. And I was like, yeah, I'm a few more shades than that, but hey, you know, <laughs> uh, to each their own. But I, I'm, while I'm not happy about the means by which kink has sort of arrived in the mainstream, I think it's, it's incredibly detrimental to the whole basis of safe, sane, and consensual and risk aware consensual kink. I can, I can at least appreciate those who, are bothering to seek out mm-hmm. a mm-hmm. good reference mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and a good place to start. And mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I've even had a friend refer to me as their uh, their kink Sherpa. Oh, nice. nice. I like to think of myself as a kink fairy godmother to some of my friends That's who, good. who come and they're like, where do I go? What do I do? How yeah. do I start? And I'm like, yeah. well, you've come to the right place. <laughs> you know, and I'm happy to help. And I just, I like to, you know. Put good information out into the world. Yes, yeah. definitely. I mean, there's just so many people running around, you know, thwacking each other with, with little, you know, dinky leather floggers and thinking, you know, they're hot stuff. And that's fine. You know, it's it's all fun until somebody gets actually hurt and then you're thinking, oh, gee, I should have read up on that research, gone to a class, yeah, yeah. you know, thought, yeah. used my head. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I think there have been mainstream artists before... Fifty Shades of Grey stuff, uh, you know, like Madonna introduced a lot of kink elements to her uh, performances and concerts and videos and uh, and back and going back as far as the eighties, and I think that was good too. But it's still, I don't. For me, 
I want everybody to safely, sanely pr- pr- pursue whatever it is that gets them off and, and makes them feel powerful and sexy and all that and, and fulfills them, basically. Mm-hmm. But I also kind of enjoy the underground element to kink. I still enjoy... I still like the fact that there's still secret clubs and there's still clubs you have to know people to get into. And I don't see that as exclusionary I see that more as well for one a safety thing and an an anonymity and autonomy thing but I also see it as that kind of makes it more fun that it's not out that the people still have you know Superman Clark Kent people have a a dual life or a thing that you know there's things there's aspects about my life that I don't share with everyone and and I like that I like the fact that because then you're also keeping something personal, mm. and and yes, public awareness is a good thing. But I like the fact that there's still events and little pockets of people and little groups still getting together and doing things that that they don't necessarily talk about once they leave the room or or that kind of thing. Brilliant. But but yeah, from the awareness standpoint, and Fifty Shades of Grey, let's hope that at least a some portion of the population who was turned on by that has sought out something that's more substantive or less abusive oriented, you know, that's much more safe and sane, you know. Right. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, look for the, look for your resources, know your resources, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, But yeah, I definitely agree. Like, towing the line between the public and private is, uh, is fun, especially in that sort of world of BDSM, because like, like you say, I like that people know about it and they're not, like, sort of looking down as much. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm like, good, so you're not on your high horse sort no, of being right. like, you know, shame, shame, shame. And then, you know, making it seem like we're all crazy sinners, this and that. I mean... Or whatever, fill in the blank. The, exactly. The other. It, it removes the other you know? from it. Normalizes it, yeah. It's nice to have the normalization of it while at the same time being being able to kind of sneak off and, like, mm-hmm. do those little underground things. Right, I think it's a right. good sort of, not even 50-50, but just it's a nice uh, a Venn diagram, whatever. Yeah, sure, <laughs> You know, sure. like, I, I was thinking about, like, my first experience, like, going to a dungeon, which is I used to go, like, just by myself, mm-hmm, and people mm-hmm. would be like, oh, you're so brave, this and that, but, like, I... I like the setting of of dungeons and underground clubs and this and that too, because it's also got that like that public private thing, mm-hmm. where like yeah you can go like off in a corner and like be naughty, but at the same time if somebody like walks by and they kind of like lean over and peek in, you're like aha, you know <laughs> that that fun of you know exhibitionism without like. Hey. Being like too out there, right? I agree, I agree. Yeah, that you get that little taste of somebody's peeking in, yeah. you know. Because sometimes, sometimes being watched is kind of fun. Mm-hmm. It's, it's another form of attention, oh, totally. and it's, and if it's in a consensual environment, it's fun. It can be fun, right? Um, yeah, yeah, I agree with all, with with that completely. But uh, but yeah, like I said, yeah, I, I like the fact that it's still kind of taboo. It, it, that's yeah. part of the fun of it, I think. Is that it's not so vanilla. It's not so mainstream. Yeah, there's that swirl. 
Yeah, yeah, the swirl. Swirl. (laughs) (laughs) Little sprinkles Mm. on top, whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um. So, other than well, I mean, you have you were in Sins of Flesh, and then you've done some of the burlesque stuff. What what other kind of creative endeavors? Uh, have you pursued either inspired by or not inspired by or separately or just other things that you've ventured in every other areas you've ventured into well one thing i've gotten into as of last year is a little bit of producing uh, burlesque shows also which is pretty fun I'm, i'm doing my my very second burlesque show ever that i'm producing for my birthday this year oh cool it's oingo boingo burlesque nice because I figured those two things are just two great tastes that taste great together. <laughs> and I mean, if last year's show was any evidence of that, I'm I'm so stoked for this year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, that's another yeah. one of those media entities, Oingo Boingo, that mm-hmm. always had those elements of the the, the the content of their lyrics and and some of the projects that they worked on, you know, and and bringing those darker or more secretive or less talked about or taboo elements into their work and almost in a subversive way in a in a like undercurrent of almost like in a david lynch movie where you have this nice lovely 50s town and then there's this underbelly of darkness there or something and there was always something very sinister about oingo boingo which if you listen to their music on the surface, not really like a goth, dark, you know, sounds like a like a ska band kind right. of thing, but there's this undercurrent that appeals to the darker nature of, of a lot of uh, subculture movements. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, just listen I, to Insanity. I've been listening to the lyrics of Insanity recently, like mm-hmm. the long version, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I'm just like... Number one, it's still relevant today, mm. more than ever, you know, but like, aside from just being an excellent song, it's like, I listen to these lyrics and I'm like, damn, this is, this speaks to me on on, on a lot of levels, yeah. you know? Yeah. A, mil- a million years of evolution and now we get, well. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean... I'm I'm looking at everything now, everything I see, everything I read, and I'm looking through a filter now of history repeating itself. And mm-hmm. and especially, it used to be history repeating itself 50, 100, 200 years on, and we're seeing this history repeating itself in my lifetime. In the last 20, 30 years, I was working out Saturday, we were at our, our workout group, and my I always bring music in my little speaker, and I play it off my phone, and... Uh, Join in the Chant by Knights of Reb comes on. And I'm like, we're living that now. We're living that now. Everything, every all these old songs, all these old protest songs and anti-government songs, anti-this song, anti-that, you know, just this, all these angry songs about, about abuse of power and this and that. And it's all coming back again, right, so much sooner than, and I think that probably because of technology, that all this is coming to pass, coming back around way sooner than it than it has ever before. That not only is is technology and the spread of information, now we're seeing a speed up, a fast forward or faster speed of the cyclical nature of history and, and societies and, and it's really it's just interesting to look at. 
I mean, yes. especially, you know, Bowie. Going back and listening to old Bowie, and just like, oh my god, or old anything from, you know, the 80s, especially the 70s and 80s, when you had the punk rock movement, mm. and the and the, the industri- early industrial movement, and, and talking about this old skinny puppy, or whatever, and it's just like, oh my god, there's those same countries that they were talking about then, those same people, those same this and that, it's all there, it's all still happening. And, yeah, I mean... I've had Fuck Authority by Pennywise stuck in my head yeah. for, like, the longest time, yeah. just recently. I mean, yeah. it's 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 quite the earworm, quite the, the relevant earworm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. also, uh, speaking of, of, of Oingo Boingo, uh, what is it? The opening lyrics to Nothing to Fear. What is it? it uh, I don't know that... It just it references a lot of things that I, I sat there listening to it and was like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty incredible how how art is is holds up. Oh, totally. And it's I, I, totally I like yeah. That's that. yeah. You hit on a very salient point right there about about art that speaks to something greater than just entertainment, and that's what it holds up that yeah. in that way. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's how you know you've got you've got some some damn good art, you know. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, something you can go back and look at and still get some meaning out of, or that has transcended yes. the timeline that it was created in, and 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 you feel that come back again. Yeah, definitely. I, I like that idea of transcend transcending like a, a timeline and just and and speaking of Bowie, who I. I saw Hedwig and the Angry Inch on stage recently, and they were talking about... There was a quote from the movie as well, and it's Bowie is an idiom working in America and Canada, and then they they paused. The person playing Hedwig and said, and now space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it brought, yeah. it brought a tear. Yeah, yeah. Is, is I was in Hollywood driving um, on my way to... Uh, oh, we were on our way to Barson last night, and mm. there's a big, giant billboard... Uh, in Hollywood uh, for the Grammys, which are tonight. Oh, wow. And it's Bowie, surrounded by constellations, and him doing this picture of him, and it's that, you know, uh, I don't remember what the the quote was, but basically, apparently there's going to be some kind of Bowie tribute. And and I'm hoping it's, you know, somebody, I don't know who's who's playing tonight, but, uh, or playing uh, on the show, uh, performing on the show, but, um, yeah, there's hopefully, you know, but still relevant, still meaning, still giving meaning, still, and the releasing the material one year on after his death now, and then just, and that's just as good as the other stuff. God, that video man. was haunting. For so no was, plan? Yeah, yeah. All oh, those, yeah, yeah, no plan was crazy. It was crazy. Yeah. But that, that picture of that rock that just up there, oh, it was, it was, it, and again, tears, again, all over again. And I, I don't know if I'll ever get done crying about Bowie. Yeah, I know that. But I boy, did he get out at a good time. <laughs> I mean, so um, one of the things that um, you know, I've always found you unique and delightful. I don't mean to you know blow smoke or anything like that, but I've always you've always been one of my favorite people to run into, mostly at ground control. Um, and then one day a few years ago, I noticed you had somebody with you. Yes, Jesse, and I'm I'm I don't know that much about, and I don't know how much you want to talk about it or whatever, and uh, but 
I don't know that much about your story. All I've known is the two of you together for a long time now, and it's always just head-to-toe soul and heartwarming to see the two of you together and happy. That that here you find two people so very unique, so so uh, um, uh, such um, singularities. I find both of you to be thus, and 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 together again, worlds colliding. Uh, mm. comets hitting other sparkles falling off that and forming other smaller comets and that's how I kind of see the two of you so it's very relevant to what we were talking about before but I would love to hear and even from both of you how you met, where you met and how that all came to be it's it's of interest to me anyway I'll let Jesse take this one because uh, <laughs> it, it tells it better <laughs> oh god so I, this is my sixth year in Sins of the Flesh. Okay. I was, months before that, I was, uh, I would go to karaoke bars, and one of my favorite ones is Liquid Zoo here mm-hmm. in the Valley, mm-hmm. and um, because of the turn of events that was happening in my life, I stopped going out for a while, uh, and then decided, you know, I think it's time for me to, to treat myself. So I went back to my old stomping grounds, and I saw this group of people at the bar that I've never seen before. That's when I realized, oh, it's a Rocky Horror cast. And I've heard of casts. I didn't realize that they were all over. I didn't really dive into that. I was already into Rocky Horror, but nowhere near the level of being a cast member or doing the shows, maybe just enjoying it mm-hmm. I lost my Rocky Cherry back in 92 mm-hmm. in San Diego mm-hmm. so I started talking to them a little bit more and somehow persuaded me to join cast so when I did as I was going through my three tier audition as a Transylvanian Deb working at the New Art was behind the counter and I knew it wasn't like a good time in your life. I did not realize that. Uh, so I, I saw her behind the counter. I think she was either reading a book or something. I was clueless that she wanted to be left alone, and I was trying to make a joke of stuff, and she looked up at me, and I said, smile. And, Uh-oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> that is the dangerous word you could say to me. The daggers. <laughs> Uh, every single one of them uh, hit every vital point in alphabetical order of my body. <laughs> uh, so that was like our first encounter. The second encounter was when we did the Sins Banquet. Uh, so during the Sins Banquet in Culver City, I was seeing karaoke. I didn't know she did karaoke. Mm-hmm. I never heard of Ground Control. Mm-hmm. So I remember doing some Adam Ant and maybe a couple other songs. I wouldn't doubt if it was Bowie. Uh, and the third, which was the most notable, was uh, when they had one season of RuPaul. Mm-hmm. And it was supposed to be the finale episode. We didn't know it was going to be a fake-out finale episode. <laughs> drag race fake-out. And they had a drag race quote finale at Mickey's in WeHo. 
So the cast decided to do something out there, and I'm like, okay, I'll go out. It's pretty cool. So I met up with everybody, and Deb wasn't supposed to come, but you came anyway. I think I was going to carpool or something. I think even with you, actually, and I, I ultimately opted to just go out by myself. And like you had said, it wasn't a great time in my life. I had kind of been hermited up for month or so a couple months maybe and this was the first time I really went out after like like my grandmother had passed away and I was just sort of like sitting there mourning not really like with it you know at that time and I just I sort of took a chance that night and got in my car and drove up to WeHo and yeah from that moment on uh, I already knew Several of the cast members, especially the ones that were there, Deb, I didn't know very well. Mm-hmm. We were hanging out at the bar, and I complimented her on your attire, your your green jacket. I thought it was really cool, and I decided I wanted to buy you a drink. And you seemed to be thrown back. I learned later on that no one has ever bought you a drink before. Aww. So <laughs> I bought her a drink. I took a photo of her, which I always have on my phone as like the first photo I've ever taken of her and we had a really great time that night everybody was just having a blast we were all getting pretty lushed one of our friends Renee comes up to me that night and says someone wants to kiss you and I'm looking around like this I go which guy wants to kiss me (laughs) and all the way down the walkway was Deb and it was that moment Kind of like in Arrested Development, where I don't remember the, the character's name with the glasses. Buster. Buster, Buster. saw <laughs> Liza Minnelli's character God. was doing like this. I was like, that. That's what it felt like. So I walked over to her, and I think I just t- like stuck my tongue down her throat for a little while, and I walked <laughs> back as macho as I could because I was so drunk and I was afraid I was gonna fall. And I and I sit and planted myself like so. Renee going, oh. <laughs> yeah, that happened here. Yeah. <laughs> so that that was that. Um, I didn't see her for the rest of the night afterwards. <laughs> I wasn't really sure, but I did not take you home. I took another girl oh, home, geez. which led to a rumor that I was doing her that night. And I go, no, that's no, no. <laughs> hey, Tomcat. <laughs> so that's well, a different manner altogether. Well, you just you, you drove the the gal like just to her car, or just to her car over at Elizabeth's house, right? And everything that that thus started the whole like oh yeah, because no one knew where we went. Um, <laughs> weeks later, I don't know how we we were texting each other, and then we decided to go on a date. Uh, I had to pick her up at the New Art. In which a couple of our friends were working there at the time, and it really felt like, you know, uh, it was one of our female friends, one of our male friends, and I felt like, okay, th- this is the setting for the parents, and I really need to get past these gates to allow their daughter to go out with me. Uh, so I took her, and it was a great time. We uh, took her to uh, Universal City Walk, right? I think mom had told you, you know, get the salad. Yeah, in, in typical Jewish mother fashion, <laughs> mom goes, you're going on a first date, eat a salad. Did not have the salad. Did not have the salad. <laughs> we went to 
We had Brazilian samba. barbecue. Yeah, we had the samba oh, nice. and had all the meats. All the meat. So much meat. So much meat. <laughs> but uh, one quality, if you can call it a quality, that I still carry today that she first saw that night was... I drove there, parked, and we got lost for the first hour trying to figure out how to get into City Walk. Because to this day, I get lost everywhere. And no, I don't ask for directions <laughs> because I always have this inkling that I'm, I'm, I'm right yet. Yeah, I'm nowhere near it. <laughs> uh, but that is how we, we had our night. So we were holding hands. We had a really great time. I dropped her back off at the theater because that's where your car was, right? And uh, I leaned over to kiss you, and I could swear I heard you say, okay, let's just get this over with. Oh. <laughs> Wrong. But... <laughs> so I drove away going, I can't believe she's, but I kissed her. Uh, <laughs> so maybe. So maybe. Yes, maybe no. <laughs> and then this year would be, what is it? It's five years. What a surprise. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. That's great. And now you have an adorable little place. Yeah. I love this place. It's great. Thank it's you. It's just so very much the two of you. Just <laughs> Wait till we give you a tour. <laughs> yeah. That's great. That's great. I always love hearing people's stories. I mean, that's kind of what this whole podcast is about, is, is, is what people do and why. And what got them there, and what they what they went through to get there, and what to what they're doing now, and and what it is that you know lights sticks that match under your butt to get you out of the chair to go do the thing. And that's what I'm doing. You know, yeah. I'm just collecting stories at this point, and and talking to more and more people, and more friends, and more people who you know have some sort of public persona as well, and and. It's just what I want to keep doing. It's my thing. I'm not making any money off of it. I'm doing it purely because I like it. And that's it. So Just keep doing the things, things you know? Doing the things. Doing yeah. the things. That's how we got here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's <laughs> great. That's great. So what are you guys... Uh, Watching, viewing, reading, listening to what kind of what kind of media things are you in uh, imbibing, uh, absorbing, patronizing, Black consuming? Mirror Black Mirror is one that I've just gotten into, and I've I got through the first season, and I'm kind of you've seen a couple episodes with me, but I sort of stopped. And I feel like I'm roadblocked at, like, one particular episode that everybody's like, oh, it was so hard to watch. And I'm, like, letting that almost intimidate me out of watching it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I really like what I've seen so far, but I just, I think I've got that that empathetic kind of quality where it's Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. even I watch something and I carry it so deeply inside that it's like if somebody's hurting, even fictionally, I can feel that hurt. And I'm just like... (sighs) Even just that first episode, God, that right? first episode with the politician and the pig and the whole th- and just and and it's just and, and it the series itself. I mean, I, I love like a you know, uh, and, and it's the perfect name for the show, Black Mirror. It's mm. it's it's our phone. It's mm-hmm. that thing that holds us up, and it's holding a black mirror up to society and showing us everything allegorically. That's that's. Kind of wrong, and how we're not doing. We're we're concentrating on the wrong things. We're not communicating. We're not, you know, and and so many things in that show. 
it's like a Twilight Zone. It's like a oh, yeah. it's like a night gallery. It's like another you know other shows that are like that. That it's like, hey, nice try, asshole, kind of thing of like, you know, cautionary tales and and yeah, it's it's very. I haven't watched. I don't know if we made it all the way through uh, series one yet. We did not watch series two, and I know now series three is coming out or mm. it came out or. But yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I mean, and there's. There's a song that I hear, like, is featured in several episodes, but I've only seen, like, its first, I guess, incarnation, which is from the, uh, the 15 Million Merits episode, where she sings, it's by uh, Irma Thomas, and it's, oh gosh, Anyone Who Knows What Love Is. Mm -hmm. And I've been trying not to read much about Black Mirror so that I can kind of go into it, just sight unseen, like, just just do it. But, like, I'm already sort of theorizing the whole, like notion behind that song because it's, you know, you can blame me, shame me but still I'll be there for you. You can run around and try to put me down but still I'll care for you. And it's like I feel like it almost it it says a lot about our kind of love-hate and necessary relationship to technology and with technology. That it's like we hate it but we can't turn away. We've become we're slaves to it now. We're absolutely dependent. This is our on leash. It. These are our leashes. They, you know, I mean, and it used to be a pager, or it used to be, you know, whatever. Now it's just we yeah. are constantly seeking out validation. This is our this mm-hmm. is our drug now. This is our thing that gives us the little brain chemicals that goes, bleep, yeah, you know, whether it's Facebook or Candy Crush or whatever it is, or mm-hmm. just getting a text from somebody that said, "Yes, I want pasta for dinner." Whatever it is, that we get that thing back constantly. We're constantly looking for more and more and more, like, like you know, the like in the experiment, the rat to the cocaine or, mm-hmm. or whatever, you know. More and faster. Mm. We are so impatient. And it's an old KMFDM song. More and faster. <laughs> here we go. Yeah. yeah just yeah. like, and I know that I'm just not naturally a patient person, but oh. I feel like it makes us even more impatient. I've gotten, I've gotten real bad, <laughs> you know. Whether it's sitting in traffic, looking at my phone, I've emailed somebody, why haven't you gotten back to me yet, you know? Right. And that's the worst, too, because I'm, I'm a writer, and I like to just, you know, I'll write, like, a whole big old story, you know, of a message to somebody. I try to parse it down or pare it down, but, like, I know me, I'm overly verbose, but, like, Same. <laughs> I go out of my way to compose something, and then I get a one-word answer, if anything, and I'm just like, God damn it. <laughs> you know, I... Yeah. Yeah. Anything else that you're watching? Viewing? Listening? We're looking I think we're gonna start rewatching Twin Peaks uh, in anticipation. Yeah. Already of did that. Already did that. May twenty yeah. first. So it's it's, it's somewhat it's more even more soul crushing to know that Bowie was planning on being Philip Jeffries yes. all over again. He was gonna come out. I found something. We have you have you do you have Blu rays? Oh, yes. Okay, so oh, you've yes. seen all the scenes from mm-hmm. Firewalk with me, the extra Bowie stuff yeah. that was in there. Yeah, I went, that was the first thing I did was go back and watch all that Bowie stuff. I mean, we've seen what? From from all the, I mean, not all the hype, but like the two teasers that we've gotten is David Lynch eating a donut for 30 seconds as Gordon Cole. <laughs> and the the sound, the, a slowed down version of Angelo Badalamenti's Twin Peaks theme with Coop for like, Literally, of that 30-second trailer, it's two seconds of Kyle MacLachlan coming out of the shadows looking with, like, a grimace on his face, and I'm just like, 
Give it to me now. now. <laughs> no, I don't want to wait anymore. Talk about impatient. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Fuck, man. It's going to be yeah. great. And then it's going to be over. And then I'm going to be sad again. But, like, gosh. I think part of it is just the anticipation of, like, what is coming out of David Lynch's head now. Because mm. we've all been waiting with bated breath for 25 years. I mean, not me. I was, you know, I, I'm, I'm almost 27, so I certainly didn't see Twin Peaks back then. But, like... Yeah. Since I watched it, I've been like, what happens next? I didn't start watching until season two was approaching. So I mm. missed the, the first that first half season, but I got caught, swept up in the hype, and, and it was everywhere. Everybody was talking about who killed Lord Palmer. Everybody. That was the, of that year, that 1990, 1991, that was the water cooler conversation on every single person's Lips. Everyone. Right. Everyone. The everywhere. Who Shot JR. Yes, it was the Who <laughs> Shot JR of the early 90s, and it was, it, that was the conversation. And cafes started doing Twin Peaks viewing nights with a, as, you know, a 19 inch TV was as big as you mm-hmm. could get. Or maybe they had a rear projection, you know, TV and serving coffee and cherry pie. Yeah. And everybody would sit mm-hmm. and watch, and, and, and that was great. And it was, and, and being around. You know, having missed the hype of the first season while it was happening, but then going back and watching all the rerun runs leading up to season two, and then, and then that delightful direction weird of weirdness, the Windham Earl, mm. the end of of the of Leland Palmer, the beginning of you know that over Oven diagram of the end of Leland Palmer, the beginning of Windham Earl, and the Black Lodge, and where all that goes, and mm. the great thing, you know, and uh, and having to forgive. Everything having to do with Evelyn Marsh. Um. <laughs> oh, not just Evelyn Marsh. I mean, yeah, yeah. Goodness, I, yeah, yeah. I, I love the Wyndham Earl stuff because that mostly redeemed the how many awful subplots were there? Evelyn Marsh, Little Nikki, mm-hmm, Nadine mm-hmm. losing her memory. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm know? in the middle of viewing somebody who sort of somewhat watched it back originally and we're going through the whole series again and and we're just now to uh, yeah Nadine just came out of just came out of her coma so we're right there but you know Gordon Cole comes in and I just love Gordon Cole so much you remind me today of a small Mexican chihuahua I love that that scene with him and uh, and Shelly is probably one of my favorite moments. You've set my socks on fire. <laughs> you are witnessing a front three-quarter view of two adults sharing a tender moment. Acts like he's never seen a kiss before. <laughs> Look closer, Sonny. It's about to happen again. <laughs> God bless David Lynch. Magic, 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 <laughs> magic. It's nice to see him doing something because I just I was so afraid that after Inland Empire. And he'd swore off film for life. Right. I just thought we were never going to get anything good from him, you know, or anything from him ever again, let alone yeah. good, bad, or otherwise, you know. Um, but it's great the Twin Peaks, Twin Peaks being the one thing that he goes back to or brings back, or that's his next work, and fantastic, fantastic. What about you? What do you? I, I have a tendency to really gravitate towards anything nostalgic anything mm-hmm, that happened mm-hmm. in my childhood mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so as far as TV programs Twin Peaks mm-hmm, definitely mm-hmm. Uh, some old cartoons anime Robotech Gotcha Man things like that oh yeah Gotcha Man uh, but I'm still 
as far as music goes, I listen to, especially nowadays, I listen to like a ton of Bing Crosby. Oh, nice. Uh, and I'm pretty excited for the new Depeche Mode, especially after hearing yeah. the new yeah. single, yeah, yeah, yeah. which um, Deb and I were talking about this, that they have a tendency over the last few albums not to put out the strongest single first. They, it always comes second. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I'm just hoping that I won't get disappointed because mm-hmm. they did have, I mean, in my opinion, they had one disappointing album and I just didn't even buy the album. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that if it's anything like Delta Machine, yeah, I'm know. really going to have fun. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Cool. Very cool. Well, uh, we're about an hour. Um, please plug your stuff. Where can people find you online? Oh, well, either one, your both. Art show. Go oh, it. yeah. Art show. Plug your art show, please. Oh, yeah, sure. Plug it away. Uh, yeah. I have an art show. Speaking of nostalgia, it's an art show called Nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, which will be happening on uh, March 24th. It's a Friday night mm-hmm. at Earth 2 Comics in Sherman Oaks. So there are going to be a lot of cosplayers. There will be hors d'oeuvres. There's going to be wine. I'll be signing my prints. I'll be taking commissions as well. And it's going to be a lot of fun, plus 80s music. A lot nice. of the art is going to reflect... Either hyper realistic or very Patrick Nagel. So, nice. oh yeah, yeah, choose your poison. I'm here. Cool, very cool. And uh, we'll put links. Send me the link. I'll put uh, it up. Thank you. Is there a website for it? Or we don't have an invite for it yet, but uh, my work can be found on Instagram. Uh, it goes under the name Androgen Art. Okay. So all right, I'll put that link up. Thank you. And uh, February twenty eighth. It's a Tuesday night. A school night, but it's a flesh and boingo, boingo, boingo burlesque, and my birthday. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's gonna be fantastic. It's got a couple of new new cast members added, some old favorites. You know, great music, sexy people. Jesse will be performing in Yay! it. To uh, <laughs> can I can I say which one you're doing? Absolutely. Nasty habits. Mm. So I mean, hey, it's it's that's worth the price of admission right there. Mm-hmm. Right? Let me tell mm-hmm. you. So yeah, that's uh, and I've got a Facebook invite for that as well. Cool, excellent, excellent. I'll put up links to all of that. Um, and uh, what your what's your uh, uh, Instagram or th- oh, your? It's uh, Leia Lavoie, just at Leia Lavoie. Okay, cool, so. cool, excellent. Uh, thanks, to both of you. This has been awesome, and uh, let's have you back on too. Talk about your art, and uh, we can we can concentrate on your work as well and that one too so I'm just trying to get everybody to come out and talk about the thing that they like to do so uh, you know so Uh, I'm at St. Michael on Twitter that's S-A-Y-N-T-M-Y-K-L we also have uh, at Something2XP on Twitter check out our blog listen to past episodes on Something2XP.net we are everywhere online as Something2XP please subscribe and review on iTunes Stitcher and Google Play Music Podcasts follow us on Twitter and Instagram like us on Facebook Google Plus email us at Something2XP at gmail.com and remember please be kind You've just listened to the Something Something Experience podcast with your host, Michael John Simpson. Something 2XP was conceived and produced by Michael John Simpson. Intro music, Ways to Change Faces, and outro music, Scorpio 37, was written, produced, and provided by the talented Sebastian Cesari. Please visit our website and blog at something2xp.net. 
You can find us online everywhere as Something2XP. Please subscribe and review us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and find us now on Google Play Music. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram and like us on Facebook and Google+. Please help support our podcast and get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash something2xp. Email us at something2xp at gmail.com. We invite your feedback. Please be kind.